Hey everybody, it's uh, the 23rd of May of 2022, uh, which uh, we know is not a Sunday, it is a Monday, but uh, uh, before we even begin, my name is Aaron, and uh, I want to say a, I want to say a, <laughs> I want to say a, a very happy birthday to my beautiful sweetheart here, Patricia Miranda. So. Hi everyone, and thank you so much, Aaron. Yeah, so, anyway, um, unfortunately everybody, um, I mean, we're going to have to make this short and sweet, because uh, what it is, is that uh, I've only just got back from work, and uh, it's Patricia's birthday, and she's got a big birthday bash with the family coming up soon, so, uh, unfortunately, and also yesterday, um, we did the amazing Amphibia podcast with uh, all the wonderful people, including Elijah, who is the not-so-average fangirl, so, and uh, also very other people as well, so that's all up on the old school lane at the moment on the Anchor, so if you want to check that out, and uh, also, uh, it has a really special cl- guest, me. <laughs> no, seriously. But uh, we want to say a big thank you to everyone who, p- who pitched in with um, talking about Amphibia for uh, a good long while. And uh, yeah, it was a really fun podcast to do. So definitely check it out. So um, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's actually funny because it was like recorded like shortly after I just gotten back from my week-long trip. Yeah, and so that's the reason we couldn't do Aaron and Patricia on Sunday, because uh, the uh, Patricia's plane ride was uh, pretty late on, and uh, also by the time we finished the Amphibia podcast, it was like two, nearly like one or two in the morning. Uh, yeah, okay. last, last, so there was uh, no way we were going to do Aaron and Patricia, and so um, we are going to squeeze in uh, some recaps of some stuff that uh, was going on during our hiatuses, so... Um, as everybody noticed, is that uh, we are currently in the middle of In Search of the Crystal Skull in Fantasy Month, so uh, two uh, of our reviews came out for that, and so we're going to give our post thoughts on those two things. Uh, the next thing is that we're going to fo- focus on the Owl House and the two episodes that we uh, uh, missed on those couple of weeks. We're going to catch up with those as well. We are also going to talk about the hardest thing, uh, which is Amphibia, the f- season finale. We're going to give our thoughts on that, and also we're going to be letting you guys know on some stuff that we're going to be doing for Pixar. Yeah, Pixmix is coming back, and we'll tell you a little bit more about that too. So, But before we uh, get all into that, uh, we are going to first off start off with Search of the Crystal Skull, because uh, we are currently in the middle of Fantasy Month, and uh, we, uh, we've watched uh, two movies so far. We've watched uh, The Hobbit, which was based in the 70s, and we've watched The Last Unicorn, which was based in the 80s. So um, let's start off with The Hobbit. And, uh, you know, looking back at it now, like, uh, it really is um, a product of its time. Like, you know, you can... Definitely say that uh, even though the upscaling on the animation is phenomenal, I think we can all agree on that. You know, it looked really good on my 4K television when we were streaming it, I have to say. So, I mean, like, it's up there on Amazon as well. So, if you want to have a look at that for yourself, then, you know, definitely check it out. But, uh, uh, I mean, one thing I definitely say is that, you know, in regards to, like, the voice acting, in regards to the fact that he's ranking bass, the fact that, uh, you know, there's uh, pretty much a musical accompaniment to, like, everything. In uh, yes. in this, I think uh, we can definitely say you know uh, this. You can definitely say was uh, there with uh, Leonard Nimoy's you know version of the Hobbit too, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> everyone remembers that. So, but you know something, even though um, I say all these things, I still think it's worth a watch if it's on TV. You know, so mm-hmm. I think to get an idea of like you know what storytelling was like back back in those days. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, the fact that this was like the beginning points of Rankin-Bass when they were doing their fantasy phase that lasted from the late 70s to the mid 80s. And 
you know, a lot of the stuff that they did, I mean, they were able to do what they could with the limitations. I mean, considering that they had a small budget and a lot of the stuff that they were releasing was on television with the exception of The Last Unicorn, which we'll get to in just a moment. But, you know, for the most part, when they were known for around the 60s and 70s were their um, holiday specials, especially their stop motion stuff. So for them to break away from that and for them to tackle in such a large lore-based stories such as The Hobbit was really commendable. And I think that what they were able to do was actually pretty decent. And we did talk about that in our discussion of In Search of the Crystal Skull, where they were able to, ha uh, you know, do an abridged version of The Hobbit. They brought up the majority of the story plot points that you would know of from The Hobbit. They just had to cut off some things for time. And then the rest of the stuff, they were able to do it with song with by Glenn uh, Yarbo And... I think that what they were able to accomplish is actually pretty interesting. And, um, you know, again, this was back in a time in which when fantasy was still not on the mainstream. So the fact that they were able to do it was just great. And I think that uh, even with me watching it around the 90s during Mr. Spim's cartoon theater, that, you know, that really got me interested in reading The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. And then we got Peter Jackson's version, which, let's be honest, it is the definitive version of Lord of the Rings. If, if I were, if you were to tell me which version of Lord of the Rings to watch, I mean, even with like the Ralph Bakshi version, yeah, Peter Jackson's is way better. No, no, no. Like, uh, I mean, I watched the first part of The Hobbit, but I never watched the other two movies. Like, well, I was know, talking just... about Lord of the Rings, not The Hobbit. Oh, yeah, but yeah, right, I, yeah, I, but, yeah. Yeah, but I, I do agree that even with, like, The Hobbit, I mean, it wasn't, like, a, it, it was a big book, but it wasn't as long as Lord of the Rings. And cutting it into three movies was a little bit overkill. I, two at the most, maybe. Well, I, mean, I, I, can, I can see somewhat the justification for it when you look at it from the 70s version of The Hobbit, because if you think about it, like, this is a story in three parts. It's, uh, you know, going to get Bilbo Baggins and, you know, be, to become the burglar and, you know, going off to, uh, you know, find the uh, the treasure. And uh, then there's obviously Smog as well, who then, you know, goes around and terrorizes the uh, the village. And so that those are kind of like, can be two stories to be told in themselves. And then after that, you know, Smog is defeated, then there's obviously, you know, fighting over the treasure itself, which could easily be the third movie. So, uh, theoretically, you could say there's justification for it. Practically, it is a mess. I mean, like, uh, yeah, they, they, you, you uh, once you play it all out, it's kind of like, gee, geez, what were they thinking when you really think about it? I but, mean, I, uh, yeah. I, I know what they were thinking. They were trying to strike lightning in a bottle twice of how successful that Lord of the Rings was. Yeah, but, you know, Lord of the Rings was, like, it, it really was, like, a one-off epic. And, uh, you know, like, uh, it would have been, I mean, how, how, how much distance was there between, you know, year-wise between Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit? You know, at like, least ten years. Ten years, okay. I mean, like, but you know, uh, the you know, when was when was Star when the first Star Wars trilogy came out? Like that was in the well, obviously we can't remember because we, we, we weren't born then. But uh, I mean, like that was the seventies. It, it was nine, it was yeah, it was nineteen seventy seven. This it was the same year. Exactly. Yeah. So like it was the uh, but here's the thing. Like you know, you had the original trilogy of the Star Wars. The Star Wars came out. You know, the next three movies didn't come out for like another like twenty five years or something like that. Like, you know, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you had, um, you know, Phantom Menace, which came out in 1999, and then you had Episode Seven, which came out in 
what was it, 2013, I think? So, yeah, I, I, yeah think, it, I think there needed to be a bit more significant gap, I think, between, you know, the uh, the, the Hobbits and the Lord of the Rings, you know, like, kind of like the way that Star Wars was. Because, you know, like, given the fact that there was, like, a lot of excitement for, you know, Star Wars to kind of, like, you know, you know be coming back again, you know, for better or for worse, you know, like, I think uh, I, I think the Hobbit probably wouldn't have got such a, a lousy reception, I think, uh, as uh, if it was, like, put off, I think, you know, a bit more longer. You know, like uh, if it, yeah, if I, I think that maybe um, if the Hobbit would have been released now, maybe it wouldn't have gotten as much hate. It's like it's, it feels like it was too soon. And like I said before in the podcast, that the Hobbit came out around the time in which when fantasy films were just done. Uh, you you know, the superhero genre was becoming like really really popular, and then we had the young adult novels, which were becoming really really popular at the time. So basically, um, they were just trying to like. Squ- the last bit of the popularity of fantasy and at that point people were just already tired of it it's like okay we've already seen all the harry potter movies yes we've seen bridge of terabithia yes we've seen a series of unfortunate events yes we've seen this yes we've seen that we're done already and Mm. i guess they haven't really learned their lesson because (laughs) they tried to do the same thing again with like um uh, Disney was trying to do um, Artemis Fowl, and that turned out to be a disaster oh, as well. Oh, that, that that was wretched. That movie. Like, uh, yeah, but, that... but on the but there ha- but there have been some exceptions. Let's be honest. I mean, the Netflix version of a series of unfortunate events is a much more accurate telling of Lemony Snicket's book as opposed to the movie. So. I would give credit to that. And also, um, you know, there's going to be a uh, Lord of the Rings series on Amazon Prime. So let's see how that one turns out. Yeah. But until then, um, I mean, that was The Hobbit. So uh, we guess we kind of recap that one pretty well. So um, and the, the uh, episode is also there on in Old School Lane. So, uh, yeah, go check that out. But uh, yeah, uh, I it? mean, it's on Old School Lane on Anchor, but not on YouTube yet. Hey, we, we will be eventually. So we'll, 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 we'll get yes. there. But, you know, go to Anchor, you know, like uh, we, we like Anchor more than YouTube. Pretty much. So, <laughs> but anyway, uh, so once you're done with that episode, uh, you might want to check out The Last Unicorn, uh, which is uh, the 1980s uh, Rankin Bass film. So, uh, mm-hmm. like, and so. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, this one was definitely um, one that I felt that they really wanted to push in as like their big fantasy epic. Yeah, because but, you- but here's the thing: like, it, it's weird and it doesn't make a lot of sense. And like, uh, looking, feeling back at it now, like, I remember the bull, and I remember like you know the story of like you know the unicorns being driven into the sea, and uh, I remember like you know the king being sad because he didn't see unicorns anymore, and uh, I remember certain. It feels more like a. It feels more like a really a kind of like you know awful dream that you kind of had like when you're being put under for surgery like you know like it, it doesn't feel like i'd like sat there and like watched a movie really like uh oh, it, 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 i think that the problem was is that the story i felt like it was you know too quick or too slow in a lot of points like the pacing was really slow in a lot of the portion and then when it came to like story parts it moved way too quickly that it didn't give a proper explanation. Like, uh, you know, the whole thing about like, you know, Prince uh, Lear and King Haggard. It's like, oh, it was revealed that Prince Lear is not the prince by blood. He was found as a baby. And in the book, it is described on that, but not in the movie. And then the whole thing about, 
Schmendrick turning the unicorn into a human and then the you know the the human side of the unicorn was slowly begin to forget that she was a unicorn and then she starts falling in love with Prince Lear and then the whole love thing was so quick it's it was like wait a minute that she came from I don't want to be a human to I love you, Prince Lear. Where did... It, like, oh my gosh. Like, slow uh, I'll down. say this. Like, if you thought that the romance in the in the animated Titanic movie was quick, good grief. Like, you know, like, uh, this, this, this just goes from, like, you know, zero to 110 in, like, you know, only a couple of seconds. Like, you know, just yeah. like, good grief. Like, cool. I, 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 yeah, so there was that. But then there was, like, uh, it was just... Uh, um, I, I, some of the... What, a lot of it's just forgettable. Like, you know, like, I'm really, I'm trying to strain my, my, my brain to, like, you know, um, remember some other bits. All I can remember, now that I think about hard, hard enough, now, all I remember now is that three-titted harpy, pretty much. Like, uh, that, that, that stands out like a sore thumb. And, oh, my uh, gosh. Yeah, it's like, it's just, it's, uh, yeah, there's, um, the, this movie is just, it's, uh, I, I, yeah, it just, it doesn't give fond memories, I think, uh, now looking back at it. And I know and that a lot of people grew up with this movie. A lot of people hold this movie very fondly, and I get it. But remember, Aaron and I had seen it literally for the very first time with fresh eyes, and this is just our opinions of it. So, yeah, I mean, for the comments who are saying, oh, I love this movie, I grew up with it, and... I'm sorry. I mean, you know, if you love it, good for you. But Aaron and I, we, this is probably, I'm, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll talk uh, I, I about Keep this in mind, like, you know, when we did the review, like, uh, we basically had only just come off watching it. So, like, uh, we'd, um, we, you know, we, 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 I think it was more fresher in our minds, I think, in the, uh, in what we discussed in the podcast than what we're kind of discussing now. But uh, I've got to be honest with everybody, you know, like, like once we flipped out of uh, the last unicorn, I mean, like, me and Patricia, we were back to like the you know, the usual grind. We were back to watching Amphibia. We were back to watching back the Owl House, watching some other stuff that you know we wanted to catch up on in regards to, uh, you know, like we originally we were going to watch the bad guys and we we're going to watch Sonic Two, and I guarantee you, if if that was the case, I probably wouldn't remember nothing from this movie i've got to be honest yeah i know it's it's really sad i mean we, we would love to be appreciative of this movie just like all of our other listeners are but we just can't and yeah um, and, and i think that had the movie been given a proper rewrite like i know that peter s you know siegel uh the original author of the book was brought in to do the the screenplay of it but I don't know. Something about it just felt like they, they, you know, a lot should have been added, or some things should have been tweaked or updated. Because man, just I, I'm sure <laughs> I said this in like in the original review, but I think what this needed is it needed another sit down with all the writers to kind of like you know, you know flesh this out a bit more and you know have, have a bit of a clean up. I think you know if like mm -hmm. a, one more meeting would not have would would have helped. I think. Yeah, it would have helped for sure. Yeah, I, like I said, even in that um, Aaron and Patricia discussion, that it's very similar to like, in the Roald Dahl retrospective, we talked about how all of the movies that people remember fondly of when it comes to the adaptations of Roald Dahl, they were tweaked and they were not following the source material beat for beat. Because a lot of the stuff is either pretty outdated, pretty ridiculous, or... Uh, let's just say that things haven't exactly held up very well. And so Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Matilda, Fantastic Mr. Fox, those movies still hold up brilliantly because... 
they kept the spirit, but they didn't exactly like copy word for word from it. I think that that's probably what this movie needed. I think that they should have like looked at the original spirit of the last unicorn and then maybe tweaked it up to make it more updated with like more fleshed out characters build the world um to be more interesting to look at because when i look at the world it's like generic fantasy world i don't remember anything about it the villain is pretty bland and the the prince is just whatever and the the motivations are weird like the reason why king haggard kidnapped the unicorns was because the unicorns are the only reason why he smiles. And then Molly left her husband and um, his traveling gang because unicorn. Ah. Yeah. Uh, I, you know what? Well, I've only just recall. I only just recall the drunken skeleton. Oh yeah. That too. That also was really weird. Yeah. And going through like the clock. It's like, he's like, it's like Alice in Wonderland with no structure. You know, like, it's just yeah, this, it, it does kind of like feel that way. Yeah. It's, yeah. Anyway, I'm done talking about this. So, yeah, yeah this this coming Friday um, will be the third installment of Fantasy Month for Crystal Skull. And we'll be talking about um, the 1991 Hungarian slash British slash Japanese animated film, The Princess and the Goblin. So, yeah, stay tuned for that. I'm looking forward to that one, actually, because there's a lot of Britishness in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, you'll you'll know why once you listen to it this Friday. <laughs> and also, uh, we after that we've got Narnia coming up too. So yes, we do, and uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Considering that um, before the recording of the podcast, I haven't seen Narnia in years. Yeah, and by the way, everybody, um, we are going to do a commentary at some point, but uh, for one of these movies, and uh, we'll let you know what that's going to be very soon. So yes, we will. Cool. Right, so uh, that's our recap of uh, In Search of the Crystal Skull so far, all the stuff that we've missed, but uh, now we are going to go into spoiler territory. So um, everybody, if you don't want to be spoiled on uh, The Owl House and Amphibia, then this is where we part ways. So uh, sorry it's been a bit short, but obviously I hope you can understand, you know, birthday and uh, me being tired from work. So, but uh, And vacation. And vacation, yeah, all of that too. But uh, we will promise you that Aaron and Patricia will be back on blowing on full cylinders next weekend. So thanks everybody for checking us out for these last 17 minutes and 25 seconds take care and bye-bye for now see you later everyone right going once going twice going a third time and we are officially in spoiler territory let's talk about the owl house because oh boy have we built up to the final episode very very well so the season finale of season two so uh um, we are going to start off with the, uh, the second, not the, the third to last episode, uh, which is, uh, the name kind of like, cause the other one's Cloud oh, on the Horizon. Oh, 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 Titan, oh, there are now. Okay, there oh, we go. Yeah. So, We've been gone for quite a while, so sorry. Yeah, no problem. So, um, we start off with King and we learn from King that he has now some kind of connection with the Collector. And uh, yeah. now the story of the collector. Now, originally, I might have to take some of my words back because, like, I thought the uh, the collector was seems to be this creepy mofo, uh, which you know, and we were happy to see you know lose defeat at some point. But uh, I don't know. My after watching these two episodes, like you know, my thoughts on the collector are starting to kind of turn a little bit. Like same thing with creepy. Same thing with creepy lose. And like you know, <laughs> maybe maybe we should have learned our lesson from creepy lose. You know, like yeah, maybe uh, we should have. It's like. 
Oh, um, maybe this loose character that we saw at the end of Enchanting Gromfright maybe is not so bad. And then everybody was like freaking out. And very similar to the collector, it's like, oh wow, in Hollow Mind, we see this shadow following Emperor Bellows talking about like spreading chaos into the world and wanting to play games and stuff like that. Oh man, this is the true villain. And now when we start seeing it little bit at a time, it's like, wait a minute, are are we thinking that maybe the Collector isn't the true villain? I mean, we see this in the dream that King has, where he's in the in-between, and the Collector's talking about, like, the day of unity, and I get to play, and I get to do all this kind of stuff. And then, you know, King wakes up, and, th you know, this, this follows the events... Uh, that happened around, uh, you know, two weeks ago, because last week we talked about Labyrinth Runners, where we saw Gus and Willow and uh, Hunter. And then the previous episode before that, we found out that the letter that we thought of the person who was King's father or guardian or whoever, it wasn't, it was just a bunch of Titan trappers. So it takes place right after that. And so then we have, for some reason, the third time in this series where Luce is misremembering something again, or maybe they talked about it and it wasn't revealed to us where she tells King, you're the, you're a Titan. You're the son of the boiling Isles. We never heard her say that. Yeah. Like uh, her memories are kind of like really, uh, really strange. You know, we're going to lose. Like she, she seems to remember differently from what she actually said. So, like, but yeah. mind you, like, here's the thing, though, like, I think in this instance, like, at least the additional bit at least makes sense, because, um, what, um, you know, Titan, sorry, what, uh, King, uh, you know, learning that he's now the Titan, or he is a Titan now, like, uh, I think he, I think that he grasped that pretty much, I think that, I think maybe that line was just added in to kind of like give more explanations for the uninitiated, I don't know, mm -hmm. so... But, uh, you know, now we are in this situation where, you know, uh, I'm trying to actually kind of like, because uh, at the moment, like, I'm still you know, focused on Clouds on the Horizon at the moment, like, you know, everything that kind of, like, you know, builds up to that. Like, this is the episode where, you know, we, um, you know, where Lou's King and Hootie do make their way back to the to the Owl House to find that everything's been confiscated and, uh, you know, where Ida and uh, Lilith are, are missing. So yeah. um, they do. They do eventually find them because uh, they w they do leave a message, you know, to say that uh, where they have gone. And uh, they, they funny. I love the bit where like they trip the trap and uh, you know they're there, kind of like hanging hanging over there. And uh, that was that was quite hilarious in itself. And uh, so um, they do finally catch up with uh, uh, Ida and Lilith. But even though they've now hidden away from the Owl House, they still don't have a plan of how they're going to basically you know stop the draining spell. Yeah, exactly. The reason why is because they have no allies, they're powerless, and the Day of Unity is going to be in two days, and they're running out of time. And so um, Ida comes up with the idea that the only way that, um, you know, Luce and King are going to be safe and, you know, being able to come up with this idea of, like, going over to the warehouse to grab Francois, which is uh, King's uh, little toy bunny, and... Um, you know, basically, you know, hoping that maybe Ida can be able to relay a message over to Rain saying, listen, if you get my kids safe, I'll turn myself in because she still doesn't know that uh, Rain, you know, still has their memories intact because we saw that Tara, Tara was giving Rain the tea to wipe off their memories, but 
you know, uh, Ida thinks that there's something wrong with them, but we know that that's not the case. So, yeah. but even before then, then like uh, there was the bit where you know um, they must have known at this point that you know the Owl House was definitely coming to an end because uh, I mean they they got uh, Ida and Luz to take a swipe at Disney. You know, uh, during you know during their journey over to uh, to the warehouse, and because uh, if you recall, uh, you know, Ida says, "Oh, well, wouldn't you rather have a beach day?" Like you know, referring <laughs> to a beach episode that you and I have been discussing that might happen yes. down the line, and we now definitely know that that's not going to happen because of this show being cut short. And uh, you know, Lou's basically supposed sounds like, uh, "Oh, well, if we had another twenty adventures, we could look at that, but we don't." And so uh, you know, that was a swipe. And by the way, not only did um, you know the show acknowledge what was going on, but uh, some of the Disney official you know social media accounts you know clipped that episode and even put it out for people to see. So, like, uh, I'm guessing that there is, you know, not only are the the people within the the, the Owl House show also upset about what's happened, but a lot of people in, uh, you know, the Disney social media, you know, team seem to be pretty upset about it, too. Of course, because remember, it was one Disney executive who said that it didn't fit their brand, not the entire, you know, corporate uh, business itself. Yeah, but they, they all went along with it. So. They, I, I'm sure they had no other choice. Well, I'm not sure. Well, I mean, like it was an executive. It wasn't the executive. You know? Well, I mean, I'm sure an executive would have more power than a lot of other positions. I mean, it was Bob Shepek. I mean, like, uh, yeah, we would, we would, uh, we would, like, you know, obviously they would, they'd be more like that. But uh, I don't know. Like, it's just it's uh, again, I, I don't know how the politics of Disney works. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. it's, it's been a pretty crazy time over the last couple of months. I think we can all agree. So, uh, but yeah. uh, I think, uh, but you know, put, putting that all to one side. So, um, yeah, then we do get to the warehouse, and uh, then then we get this uh, really interesting parallel between the first episode and this episode, because you know, Ida wants to send you know Luz away to basically be safe, but uh, Luz overhears that, and uh, you know, you can't you can't blame her for being angry because you know she feels like she's been once again being sent away again, pretty much yeah. uh, by another exactly. by another Where- parental figure. Yeah, exactly. In the first episode, her mom wanted to send Luce away to a quote-unquote normal camp because she was causing a lot of trouble at the school, and she feels that, oh, this is what's best for you because I think that you should be able to use your creativity in a more senseful way. And so that's why she ran away over to, well, she didn't run away to the Boiling Isles because she didn't know about it, but that's why she decided to stay around the Boiling Isles as opposed to like, you know, oh, um, I'm just going to go back into the portal door and then just go over to summer camp. But instead, we have this moment in which when Ida is telling Rain, please, you know, send Luce and King away somewhere while the Day of Unity is going on and I'll be taken in prisoner. And Luce was really upset about it because she feels that, oh, you're just underestimating me when in reality, it's like this is way bigger than what uh, is going to be happening, especially since I don't even think Luce even knows the details of the the Day of Unity. I mean, you know, we know about the fact that, uh, you know, King is not part of the titan trappers as because he is a titan but i don't know about if um luce at that point even knew about the draining spell so i think that when luce and ida started fighting so that um you know she could be able to prove a point that that was actually a pretty harsh moment considering that you know seeing both of them fight each other just so that you know they could be able to prove a point was just really dramatic and especially it it really starts building up when they get captured Mm mm-hmm so um, they end up fighting with one another, and they end up getting yeah they end up getting captured because of it. And uh, so um, then um, Lee Eda blurts out to um, to um, 
lose that. Uh, oh, well, there is no plan for the draining spell. I was just trying to protect you. And uh, by the way, Ida's voice breaks, you know, at, at the end of this. And uh, that's the first time we like, I mean, obviously we've seen Ida be upset, like in, you know, in, in one of the previous episodes. But, uh, you know, this is, you know, this is pretty out of uh, out of the character of the voice actress to kind of like, you know, emote in, in, in either in this way and so like it doesn't really catch you off guard and it really just strike you you know so. yeah and wendy malley did a really really good job in that scene where she was able to you know put away the fun and goofiness of ida and talking more seriously to lewis and telling her no we do not have a plan we're powerless we're useless i want to keep you safe and she starts breaking down and crying and th that was a really really strong moment yeah would you believe that she did uh, you know uh, comedies at one point in in the 90s. Wow. Yeah, yeah. She was in a lot of, like, sitcoms, and like we mentioned before, she's done a lot of voiceover work and Emperor's New Groove and The Adventures of Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius and various other things. So, yeah, that was that was fantastic acting. It, it just goes to show you how versatile Wendy Malick could be. Mm-hmm. So, um, they're led away, and uh, but uh, Rain has obviously intervened and uh, has uh, guided them all, you know, to their secret hideout. And uh, so, not only though is uh, Rain there, not only is Ida there for uh, to greet Luz, but uh, Darius is there, Eberwolf is there, and uh, the the former Bats uh, people are there too. Yeah, so, uh, like, that was awesome that we were able to see Katya, Amber, and Derwin there, and um, it, it was like a major surprise, because I legitimately thought that Ida was going to go into the conformatorium, and Luce was going to be taken over to a, a place that um, you would give her uh, much more maximum security, and no, it just turned out that... Um, Ida was able to give the re the message to Rain just in time for them to be taken over to the hideout. Mm -hmm. So, um, by the way, while all this is going on, um, King has like you know a discovery moment with uh, you know trying to relate more to his dad, and uh, St Steve of all people takes him around the boiling aisles to, to have that uh, you know have that uh, you know uh, moment with uh, you know f for King. And uh, it's um, it also King turns it turns a corner here because you know he's wanted his entire life to kind of like be like this feared ruler of like you know everything, and now that he's somewhat finally got it because now he realizes he's a titan, you know he doesn't want it anymore. And so, yeah, like, like yeah. Lilith was just saying, like, oh, you know, he's a titan. He he should be, um, you know, treated as a ruler and all that kind of stuff. And we saw in the first season, this is exactly what King wanted. He wanted power. I mean, the first mission literally was to get his crown. And so, you know, in the first season, we kind of like saw that where, you know, he was wanting power. He wanted to rule everything. He wanted to take over the playground. But now he's completely changed. He doesn't want this anymore. He doesn't want to be treated as a monster. Mm hmm. So uh, he goes through his story arc, and so he's matured pretty, you know, pretty mm -hmm. well. And so um, he's also included in with the uh, with the now formed cats, the uh, covens against the throne. And by the way, Darius did not agree to this name. So uh, <laughs> no, he didn't. And uh, so um, they're now all together. And uh, by the way, I mean, I don't know if uh, I mean I've not had a chance to get like a good look at like the cats logo, but for some strange reason, it reminds me of the SWAT cats. Hmm. Maybe it was a callback. Maybe that'd be kind of cool. 
So, yeah. Um, so yeah, they're all together. And uh, by the way, um, Ida manages to uh, rescue the box that says uh, that's basically uh, marked her long toenails. Uh, but yeah. in actual fact, it's the Palsman wood, which uh, we were giggling yeah. before. Yeah. That was a great little way to end it off, especially with um, now Luz finally gets the chance to carve out what her palisman is going to be. And of course, because Ida knows how to carve it because her dad taught her, now they were able to work together, and um, we will not find out until next week. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, maybe. But uh, so uh, once uh, okay, say with me, everybody. This is the best episode of the series. <laughs> <laughs> until <laughs> <laughs> until clouds we on have the... our next episode. Clouds so, on the yes. horizon. So um... oh my god what an amazing episode this had everything didn't it like, it was wow it, just it, it it had action it had hilarious moments it had a ton of romantic moments and it had an oh crap what's gonna happen next kind of moment where we saw little bits of what's gonna happen with Luz, what's gonna happen with ida what's gonna happen with all the characters but man was it so good yeah and uh, by the way I, I could probably imagine all the animation budget went into the kiss <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's just unbelievable that they were able to get away with that. Number one, because we all know what a stickler is uh, for Disney in terms of like, you know, LGBT representation. I mean, we've been talking about that throughout this um, podcast and even with other uh, podcast discussions on Pixmix and various other things. Like, we know about in Onward that they had to, um, you know, remove the line from the police officer. And we know about, like, um, you know, various other things that they had to cut off because China wasn't happy with it. And, yeah, just seeing from that over to this kiss was just absolutely mind-blowing. And, and major shout-outs to Tom Barkle, who animated that scene he did a really really good job he's a australian animator who worked on rise of the tmnt and uh, various other things so yeah go check him out he he posted up um a rough draft of him doing that um kiss so please just watch it and he even said as an australian you'd think i had animated more characters saying crikey but this is the first time <laughs> so, yes. but mind you like uh, you know it's just it's amazing that you know lumity has built up to this moment and uh, you know after this wonderful you know loving embrace between uh, Luz and amity like you know Luz's first reaction is basically to quote steve irwin the crocodile hunter <laughs> Uh, oh, that was hilarious! But uh, oh, so fantastic, and that build-up was so worth it because Luz and Amity hadn't seen each other in almost a week, and so the fact that we have, you know, um, Amity who is trying to oh wait, well I guess we should start off with how it it begins with like Odalia dropping off some uh you know giving some cargo over to Kikimura because Kikimura was demoted because of the events of what happened in Follies of the Coven's Day Parade when she tried to run away to see her family reunion during the yeah. Coven's Day Parade. 
I don't know. Like, you know, I feel like the beginning of the episode feels a bit kind of throwaway a little bit, really, compared to everything No, that no, it the... doesn't. No, it doesn't, because we see the true evil side of Odalia. Like, we get really? to see just how... I mean, yes! Like, I think we saw that more in uh, like at the, at the very end when, like, you know... Uh, okay, there was the bit where, you know, uh, Alador was basically being threatened with divorce and, like, you know, I'm going to take the kids off you and stuff like that. Like, obviously, there was that, there was that awful stuff, you know. But mind you, I, I always thought Odalia was kind of like a bitch wife anyway. So like, uh, well, I mean, also given the fact that she, you know, like Edric, Emra, and Amity were trying to sneak in and trying to warn Odali about this, and then she says, "You're grounded." So it's like, yeah, it starts planting the seeds there. It's like, wait a minute, why don't you want to let your children, um, you know, tell you that what you're doing is wrong, and then we'll find that out about this later. And she even broke Amity's Tamagotchi, so she can't connect with Luce anymore, and so she was trying to fix it, and then Edric and Emera are, and Amity are locked in the room, and um, you have um, Amity saying, oh man, you know, if, if Luce were here, she would say something dorky but really sweet, where you know, she would tell me to never give up, and all that kind of stuff, and then w around that time, uh, we have um, you know, Luz, Hunter, uh, Gus and Willow sneaking over to Amity so that they can be able to rescue them. And then we have that build-up moment. And then when she says, oh, yeah, I'm going to say all of that stuff, when, you know, Amity's last word was, you know, before the world ends, I want to go on a real date with her. So, yeah, I think that that build-up to that kiss was brilliant. Yeah, but just, uh, I mean, to, to finish off on the Adalia stuff, I mean, like, uh, I feel like, you know, when um, uh, Alador found out about the draining spell from King, and then, you know, the, he confronted Adalia about it, and then Adalia was nonplussed, like, she was like, oh yeah, that was the plan all along, and like, you know, we're, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna make, you know, a, a ton of money out of it, not realizing that, you know, she herself is probably gonna end up getting killed because of it, you know, like, so, like, you know, Adalia is an insane fool, which, uh, you know, to, you know, and, and he's probably very gullible, too, from the looks of it, like, even though she, you know, because she's so, you know, bloodthirsty for power. But, uh, yeah. I mean, like, which, in a way, was kind of a bit disappointing, in a way, because, like, you know, everyone else seems to kind of, like, get redemption arcs, but Odalia doesn't seem to get one either. Like, you know, it's mm. just kind of like, and we, we, I mean, like, uh, you know, you can kind of be forgiven. Like, also, I would have thought that, you know, uh, the fact that the draining spell, you know, is going to destroy everything and uh, that, uh, you know, uh, it's going to be likelihood it was going to, like, you know, affect, you know, Black Industry's bottom line. You would have thought that, uh, you know, uh, Adalia would have probably cared, would have cared about that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, well, like, I, I, I guess maybe maybe her thoughts was like, oh, we're going to be like royalty because with everybody gone, then, you know, we'll be second in line next to Emperor Bello. So it's like, hey, you know, would you rather like make money off of like your business or would you rather be royalty and never have to worry about that kind of stuff for the rest of your life and just worry about getting power? Yeah. So uh, also like, uh, I mean, when she was confronted by everybody, like it's the thing like, you know, when she realized she was outnumbered, she backed down pretty quickly. And so, and uh, but mind you, she said then at the very end, this kind of bothers me a little bit, like, because she said, oh, well, I'm going to get myself a more competent business partner. It's kind of like, uh, yeah, oh. Yeah, that, like, was, that was really surprising. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute. You just saw, you saw Alador as like a business partner and not like as like a partner that you have children with. Does that and not surprise you? you? I mean, I don't know. It's like I was thinking that in Escaping Expulsion, in which when Alador told Odalia, no, let's leave Amity alone because she's getting stronger. Maybe she'll be a covenhead someday. And then she was like, you know, we need to do what's best for the family. I thought that maybe there was just a little inkling that maybe she cared. But no, it was just about power. And it's like, oh, man, just like, I mean, it's here's the thing. 
I will give Odalia 0.1 points for her not being homophobic. Because when, you know, Luce, uh, Amity, Gus, Willow, and Hunter were captured, and then when um, Luce was trying to warn Odalia about the draining spell, saying that, you know, she, you know, Amity's trying to help people, and then when Odalia said, you better hush, brat, and then Amity said, don't you dare talk to my girlfriend like that, and then she's like, girlfriend? Oh, no, 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 we're gonna get you a new girlfriend, as opposed to, like, saying, oh, why are you dating a girl? You should be dating a, a guy or something like that, so I'll give points for that. I, but seriously, like, I, 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 neg- was think, I think there was a discussion in, in writing, I think, about that. Like, you know, do you make Odalia homophobic? And uh, if you do, I mean, like, it would probably, you know, you probably would justify a lot more, you know, um, you know, Amity, you know, being pretty angry. And But mind you, I think that might also have negative connotations in itself. So I think they probably made the right decision to say that, so, oh, well, it's just because, you know, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm Lady Snooty and I'm going to, uh, you know, uh, you know, get you a better girlfriend like you know I, i'm glad they went that route with it i guess but uh, yeah yeah so uh, and, and and it is true that dana terrace also mentioned that in the boiling isles uh, homophobia doesn't exist so okay that. cool all right then so um yeah so uh, i guess we're gonna see odalia again at some point but mind you like uh, there's one particular character i'd be kind of worried that uh, we're not seen in a while and that's basha you know, like, uh, it's, uh, I'm getting kind of, like, a feeling like, you know, we're going to see her again. Like, I don't know, she's like, you know, uh, you know, uh, maybe, uh, you know, Bella's just, like, kitted her out with, like, you know, more magic and stuff like that. And she's going to be, like, like a semi-final boss or something like that. I don't know. Like, it's just kind of, like, a, not sure. I feel like she's going to turn up again at some point and, like, you know, they're going to have to fight her or stuff. Like, uh, I don't know. We'll see. But, yeah, in the meanwhile, I think that the other stuff that was building up to this episode, I mean, I guess we have to talk about Ida's side, in which when uh, Rain has the idea of Ida being disguised as Rain and even having a sigil so that um, eventually when they start draining it, then they'll start draining Ida's curse so that the um, effects will be corrupted. And... Yeah, we have this one moment in which when, you know, Ida's like really concerned about it, saying like, you know, if I, um, you know, get the sigil, I'll never be a wild witch again. But, you know, she's willing to do it just so that she can be able to protect the people that she loves. Yeah, but uh, it doesn't actually show you on camera her getting the sigil, though. So, like, uh, it makes me feel like that she probably hasn't got it. But, well, uh, we don't know yet. I mean, uh, we we're still gonna be um, on the the we're still gonna be on the loop on whether that happened next week. But um, in the meanwhile, we did see that Steve was just about to give uh, the sigil to Ida, and then Rain had this really concerned look on their face. So maybe they changed their mind about the plan, and maybe they'll find another way. I'm not sure, but. I think that they are building up to something. They're going to build up to some kind of trick. But again, we'll see. Yeah. But also another thing as well is that, uh, you know, Emperor Bellows is aware that uh, Ida is actually going to the Day of Unity. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's something. And yeah, Kiki Mora had mentioned over to Luce that, you know, the Emperor has eyes everywhere. And so that's when she decided to come up with this plan to Gus saying, disguise me as Hunter and change Hunter to Luce that... You know, if I get captured, Hunter will be safe, and that way I can be able to protect Ida when I get over there. So um, there was actually some little subtle moments that, you know, that you know, blink and you miss kind of situations in which when you realize that Hunter is disguised as Luce and Luce is disguised as Hunter. The first thing is pretty noticeable is that when, um, you know, we have Kikimura attacking Hunter... Um, you know, kind of like stands on the background uh, as Luce and then Luce as Hunter 
um, you know, you know, you know, she basically just runs in and basically like saves Willow, which, by the way, <laughs> saves Willow. Mm. Mm. Anyway, yeah, so I, think, then, I, imagine, I think at this point, I think we we know where uh, you know Hunter and uh, Willow are like. You know, they they like each other. I think we I think yeah, we can sure. like that. But uh, yeah. I think, in, in, mind you, like uh, interesting to see, like you know, um, again, like I do question Hunter's mortality. Like you know, if he ends up getting killed in battle, and like you know, Willow's like you know, you know, you know, you know, and, like Hunter dies in her arms. That's gonna that's gonna be pretty. That's gonna be pretty impactful, isn't mm-hmm. it? If we get to that point. So. Yeah, that that'll be really interesting. But uh, the the thing that um, was really just like awesome to see was the redemption of Alador, especially when you have King talking to him, saying, uh, you know, you should, um, you know, uh, I don't really know about children. I mean, I never even knew my dad myself and trying to like talk to him saying like, you know, the day of unity is much worse than you think. And uh, just them together sitting down and uh, Alador just like looking back on all the stuff that Odalia made him do, like firing half of their workers and making him work. Um, you know, all the time, even though that he's sick with the fire flu and ha- not having a weekend break in five years and just like, oof. I mean, I know Hunter, you know, like he only gets like one day off out of a whole year, but still it's like doing it while you're sick. I mean, especially when you have a family to take care of and, you know, that's five years of not being able to know your children very well. Just geez, man. Yeah. But, uh, Anyway, um, looks like uh, he's over Odalia now. So I think, uh, yeah, he's, oh, yeah. Uh, he's quit done. the co- he's quit the company, and uh, now he's. Uh, mind you, there's something else that we also need to note as well that uh, um, in the um, before all that started to to go down, um, Luz whispers into Gus's ear that okay, here's the plan, and then uh, using his illusion magic, he switches places between Luz and Hunter, and it's not revealed that. I mean, they they drop some hints because at one point you know Luz dashes to like uh, you know save Willow which is totally out of character for her like that's more for like uh, you know for um, Hunter to do and then all of a sudden Hunter like rasps at uh, you know uh, Kikimura which is something that Luz would do and then Kikimura grabs you know what we think is Hunter and then gets a jetpack and flies off to uh, to the Day of Unity and uh, then it's only revealed that uh, on the boat that the you know Luz is actually you know Hunter and Hunter is actually lose so because uh, they you know Gus uses um, you know illusion manager to switch them both around and uh, so Kiki Mora captured the wrong person so uh, then we get the finale where Luz has been taken to Bellas, but mind you, like uh, I take interest in Luz's reaction here because she's not got a reaction of fear she's got a reaction of determination like you know mm-hmm. she's she's going in there to like you know to mess stuff up I think exactly yeah yeah like this is a very different reaction from like when she first confer- confronted Bellows. Very true, yeah. I mean, like, Luz has learned a lot since the last time that she confronted Bellows. Or, well, well, technically, she did confront Bellows in his memory as Philip Wittabane. That's a complicated thing in itself. But, yeah, she has uh, progressed a lot further since then. And, and uh, Oh, speaking of Luz, I guess we need to mention that her hair has grown so much that now she has to rock it in a ponytail. Mm-hmm. 
Well, she has been there for a good couple of months now, hasn't she? So yeah, she has been. I mean, like almost three months, and her hair has been grown. In in fact, there was somebody who posted on Twitter um, saying about like the characters are fa actually have actually started to grow. Like she's, they're noticing like you know Willow is almost the same height as Luce now, and Gus is almost the same height as Willow. All three of their hairs have grown. Uh, you know, even to the point in which when you know we have Willow having her hairs and uh, pigtails that we saw with Amity, but even even then, it's much longer than it was before. Gus's uh, spiked hair has actually started becoming larger as well. And um, yeah, just like the characters are like growing in real time, which is actually a pretty awesome thing to see because usually in a lot of these shows, it would just stay the same. But no, I mean, time is moving. So that just goes to show you that they're able to, you know, progressively get taller. And I, I think that that's great that they were able to put that little detail in there. Mm-hmm. So uh, we are building up now to um, King's Tide, which is going to be when the Day of Unity actually happens. So um, a lot of speculation of uh, what could go down, pretty much. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, but uh, you know, I think uh, it is going to be a big, massive battle. I think uh, you know that we're, that we're building into, and uh, so um, interesting to see where we go with this because uh, I mean, like, uh, I don't know, like uh, now focusing back on the collector. I mean, like, uh, I don't know if you can see this or not, but, uh, I mean, also, you keep in mind, as well, we actually didn't talk about the palisman either in this episode. Like, the pa Luz actually carves an egg in this yes. palisman. And so, and the reason why she does that is because she wants to give her palisman the decision to what to become. Right? And uh, so, so, like, you know, the same way that she had the decision of what she wanted to do. So, uh, yeah, exactly. And um, I think that that's actually really interesting. I mean, I know that Dana Terrace is a huge Pokemon fan and in Pokemon, they do have eggs. And uh, I, I know in like gold and silver, the first time that you receive an egg, uh, you don't know what Pokemon is in there. So you, you know, go around and then eventually as time goes on, it hatches and it could be anything. It could be a Togepi. It could be a Charmander. It could be anything. So, you know, once again, going into the parallels now, of that. Here's the thing. This is one scene that plays out in my mind. You know, a lot of people would worry that Emperor Bellas would get hold of uh, Lucy's Palisman to like, you know, to eat. But uh, I could imagine like Emperor Bell's like holding the egg and before he's able to like, you know, break it open, it hatches by itself and then all of a sudden this like this this snake just comes out of the top of it and just kinda of bites him in the face. Like, uh, you know that would be a good throwback to like, you know, the fir the first you know, the first scene in the uh, in the whole show. Wouldn't it? Mm. Like you know, getting attacked by yeah, a snake. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that that would be actually a really awesome callback, if it is a snake that is. Yeah. Uh Emperor Bellas. His only weakness, dying. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, mind you, imagine if it was a, imagine if it was a face hooker from Alien. Like, you know, like he, he just opens up like that. And <laughs> his face. It's like, uh, <laughs> like you know, you, you like he's just dead on the floor with like that thing on his face, and like you know, then his chest bursts open. He's kind of like, yeah, now you got another problem to worry about. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, that would be something. But, uh, that would be something, but I cannot wait for it to hatch. I mean, I know that it's not going to hatch next week. I'm, I'm going to bet that it's not going to hatch next week. I think it's going to be hatched in one of the three forty-five minute specials in season three. So everybody, place well, your bets. I'd like to like talk about you know before we wrap up into Amphibia. There is something I, I noticed from like when Luz said to Amity, like, "Look, we're just going to have a mundane slice of life, you know, uh, date." 
that uh, is not going to involve any monsters or any chasing around or anything like that. I don't know. That feels like a promise that Dana's keeping to people. Like, you know, I kind of thinking like maybe one of these specials is legitimately going to be losing Amity going out on a date and like nothing, like, like no, nothing crazy happening. You know, like, uh, I hope so. it'd be a ballsy 40 minutes to fill, 45 minutes to build, but you know, like, uh, she's not let us down yet, pretty much, in like two seasons of the show. So, like, uh, yeah, like, uh, I think if uh, if that's the reward for, like, going through, you know, a pretty, you know, angsty season two, like, you know, and the, the, the end is, like, he's going to be, like, you know, 45 minutes of just lumity or, like, just being very happy and, like, you know, just this, just this date. And, like, you know, okay, some things go wrong, but, you know, obviously there's going to be, like, you know, also kind of, like, romantic drama and stuff like that, maybe, in that. But, uh, you know, if, like, if that's going to be, you know, the 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 the, the, um, the the payment at the end of the job of, like, watching, you know, all this stuff, you know, all these heartbreak, you know, between, you know, Lou's Amity and, like, all the other stuff that's currently going on, then I would say it's worth it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping and I'm praying that at least... You know, one of the last things that we do see is maybe Lucas Quinceanera. I would love it to kind of like be one of the things that we see right before the Owl House ends. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, anyway, we can't speculate any further on the Owl House because uh, we've uh, got uh, another episode to go, which is King's Tide, which is going to be next week. And oh boy, is that going to be a fun uh, return to the full version of Aaron and Patricia when we get to that. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Really I cool. am super super excited about king's tide and it's and it's actually pretty interesting i think even somebody point, pointed this out on like uh, uh social media where uh, a king's tide um the term of it not the actual episode the term king's tide is like when the ocean is at its highest point so a low tide is like when you know the ocean is at its lowest point and there's not a lot of waves king's tide is a high point in which there's a lot of waves so i think that that's going to be a really really good um title considering that the day of unity will begin next week so yeah we are in for a wild ride mm -hmm. um actually i do have um one last final thought actually on uh, actually it was there and now it's gone okay so uh, anyway let's move on we'll move on to kingside next week but even before then let's talk about the season finale of amphibia because uh, oh boy was it uh, we, we you know this was up and down we were crying we were laughing good grief this episode had everything as well and so uh, I mean, great great way to finish amphibia i think we can all yeah. agree yeah so um, absolutely, it was it was wonderful. Yeah, I mean, like some people were, like you know um, saying that oh you this is just like you know um, this is turning you know Anne you know Sasha and like you know Marcy into you know the Powerpuff Girls for like you know <laughs> a, a few a few scenes, which is like uh, no, I think it's uh, you know given the fact you have something as crazy as the core, which you know like I was thinking how are they going to beat this thing. So like it was, uh, yeah. it was pretty cool that you know they managed to get those type of superpowers and they had that like, uh, that whole anime fight with like all those monsters and everything. So well, uh, that was a that was a great way to 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 pile in, pretty much, and so, um, and also um, you know, uh, the the very end of that, I mean, they still even though they had all this this magic, they weren't able to like you know defeat the corp you know directly, and so um, they ended up in a situation where um, you know, they had to hand Anne over the uh, you know the um the the calamity crystals, and so she could like you know power up herself and uh, try and be able to beat it herself, but at the expense of herself. So. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I, I and also um I just really love the costumes. Just the costumes were just so freaking cool when they were able to get the full powers of the gems from the calamity box. Yeah, they they're, they're going to be at the Comic Con pretty much for the foreseeable future pretty much those costumes. I can just <laughs> see them. Yeah. Yeah. And and then also um you know right before we get into that uh the the prophecy that Mother Ohm was mentioning and saying about like oh it's not a prophecy it's more like a a favor or something like that so we don't even know if it's actually going to happen. So uh you know but you know still yeah. I mean do what you can and then even she tells then I I felt like yeah this is uh, I mean it, it didn't really add too much to it. I mean, obviously the uh, you know the, the secret spell. I think obviously added a little bit more to it because you know you saw what it did to Anne. You know in the yes. in the aftermath. And good grief, like you know she was <laughs> she was not looking she was not looking too well. You know like oh uh, man, insert Spider Man meme jokes. I don't feel so good. <laughs> so um, she you know uses the crystals to. And by the way, uh, you know Sprague tried to talk her out of it before she did it. And, uh, you know, it leads to, like, one of the sweetest moments is, like, you know, uh, oh, I, 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 you know, you've changed me for the better. And, uh, you know, and, you know, agrees, like, saying, oh, you've changed me too. And uh, now she, she, instead of taking, like, the easy way of, like, trying to, like, you know, do something, she ends up taking the hardest thing, which is, like, you know, sacrificing her own life to basically save Amphibia. And uh, yeah, also, I, one, I mean, one that, other great line, a... one other great line before, you know, we even get to the defeating of the, of the, of the core is like, you know, because, oh, you're going to use, you know, uh, Amphibia's greatest treasure against me. And uh, Anne says, no, this isn't Amphibia's greatest treasure. And, you know, and then all the characters come into screen and like, you know, it's like, a, you know, that, that's a great line in itself and a great way to end it. Absolutely yes, and it just goes to show you that um, the 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 comments that um, re regarding about that you know the core or King Andreas is not the real villain of Amphibia. It's actually the greed and corruption, and that the girls are fighting for Amphibia's soul. So we saw that abundantly in that particular scene in which when Anne decides to make the ultimate sacrifice and she was able to defeat the core using the three gems and she was able to sacrifice her life for it. I mean, we, we came from a person who was just a goofball and who was self-centered and who didn't have a direction in life because she was dictated by what her friend said to somebody who is selfless and brave and determined to be able to save everybody, even at the cost of her own life. Mm -hmm. So, um, Anne dies, pretty much, you know, Anne yeah. dies, <laughs> like I say, it's so incredible to kind of, like, think about, and so, um, she ends up going to, like, uh, this, uh, this other world, which, uh, she's then, uh, confronted by what I think is, like, some kind of, like, uh, you know, uh, some, I, I can't remember exactly what they call it, but, uh... It's an, I know what that computer is. I know exactly no, what No, not the computer. Because... I, I know what the computer is, but, uh, like, what did they, like, what is the thing that Anne is actually talking to? Oh, the uh, Guardian. The Guardian, right. Okay, so she ends up talking with the Guardian, which is like an old uh, Apple iMac, <laughs> pretty yeah. much. <laughs> an it? old Apple my iMac from like the late 90s and early 2000s. Yeah, like they think that's what the kids are all doing nowadays. You know, hello, fellow kids. <laughs> uh, so um, so then um, it transforms into uh, Domino, which uh, is a more pleasable form for Atan to uh, you know, relate with. And so uh, then the you know the guardian says that oh you're the first person ever in ten thousand years to take the power of the calamity box and use it for good, 
which yeah was because yeah. if you remember that um it was the newts who owned it and every single one of them used the calamity box so that they can be able to take over worlds and universes to get resources so that they can be make newtopia a, a happier place so yeah they've had it this entire time and Anne was the first one who was not part of the newts and who was able to use it for good mm-hmm so, um, the Guardian offers Anne a job of, like, you know, being the, you know, the person to, you know, guard, you know, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, every, you know, pretty much be, basically be a god, pretty much at this point. And, uh, so, cause, uh, she, but, uh, funnily enough that, uh, Anne turns around to her and says, well, you know, look, every time I do something good, I make, like, hundreds of other mistakes, and, uh, I still feel like I can do better if I, if I go back down to Earth. And so, uh, she ends up teaching the Guardian that, uh, you know, I can still make myself better, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, but then she ends up, the Guardian ends up telling Anne that, you know, when she's going to basically be dead in 78 years, which, uh, you know, is uh, probably not a good trade-off, I guess you could say. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, according to, like, one of the first drafts of the script posted by one of the writers, it was, uh, I believe it was, like, 78 years, 3 months, and 16 days. So we know exactly the detail of when Anne is going to die. Yeah, so, uh, by the way, uh, a nice nod to, uh, to Hey Arnold, and that's, uh, that's, you know, Anne is going to die at 91 years old, the uh, same way that Arnold's family is going to all die at 91 yeah, years right. old. Yeah, that's right, yeah, where the, the family curse, yes. Mm -hmm, exactly. So, uh, Anne goes back down to Earth after convincing the Guardian that uh, she can still live a full life and, uh, you know, she'll be a better Guardian when she comes back. And, uh, yeah, then we get this, like, this, uh, tearful reunion of everybody, but, uh, the only thing about that is, is that, uh, the, um, the, the jewels from the Calamity Box are now, you know, thinned out, and so there's only enough power left, basically, to take them back to the human realm, and, uh, so, uh, they have to have this tearful goodbye of all their friends from Amphibia, and, uh, then they, uh, they go off into the portal, and, uh, that's, uh, pretty much, you know, the end of the, uh, of the adventure. Pretty much, and, uh, yeah. That, but, that, you know. that moment was just so unbelievably good. Like the fact that everybody was saying their last goodbyes. We have Marcy saying goodbye to Olivia, Yunnan, and King Andreas, and Sasha and Grime broke down and cried, and we have Anne saying goodbye to the Planters, and oh my God, that those that was so beautiful. Yeah, you know the Anne and the Anne and Sprig, you know, was uh, you know goodbye is probably you know it was so well done. Like, you know, like, it was, it, it, it was done twice, you know, like, uh, you know, Sprig could not bear to be away from Anne because they're so close. And so uh, they got that one other moment and uh, Anne actually hands over Sprig her phone uh, yes. for her to, you know, so that he can continue, like, you know, building the book. So, you know, for all the adventures that they had. And uh, so he can she he continues to do that and, you know, continues keep their, you know, their legacy alive pretty much. Oh, uh, yeah, that was... That was beautifully done, and when when uh, Sprig came over to Anne for one final hug, and then we have that beautiful transition, which, uh, by the way, was animated by Disney animator Hyung Min Lee, who also worked on Ryan the Last Dragon and Frozen 2 and um, Encanto and various other um, Disney films. So, yeah, that, that scene was, like, really well done. I thought it was James Baxter who animated that scene, but no, but uh, seriously, just beautifully well done and then when Sprague tells Anne one last time sprint against the world I that was it I was done mm -hmm. so um we then get uh, so the first scene that we see after the the goodbyes is uh, nine months later in Amphibia and uh, Polly is now a fully grown frog 
<laughs> wow, that growth spurt was so fast. Like a few months where we had from season one through season two, that's when she finally got her legs. And then at the end of, uh, you know, Sasha, Marcy, and Anne's adventure, she finally grows her first hair. So it's like, you know, she shot right up. It's like rivaling Goku in terms of like his growth spurt from like the 23rd Budokai martial arts tournament where Goku was like really, really small. And then he just shot right up like a few years later. It was just unbelievable. Yeah. And uh, it looks like Andreas has decided to settle for, uh, you know, a simple life. In, uh, and also he's going blind too. As well, that's one yeah. thing I was noticing. So um, he decided to just uh, have basically farm with his uh, robotic, uh, you know, uh, minions pretty much, and uh, he's just uh, going to do that for the until his demise. And by the way, he's actually turning down uh, any more, you know, cybernetic, uh, you know, uh, enhancements. Like he's uh, basically, you know, accepted his fate pretty much at this point. So exactly, yeah. So he's basically just um, righting the wrongs that he did, uh, and also the rest of his family had done, and you know, how um, you know amphibia turned out. And he decides that he's going to be planting, um, you know, the greens that were decimated from the attacks, and he's able to, you know, amend his ways. So that was actually pretty nice, and we get to see, um, you know, characters such as like poor Loggle was not able to keep his muscles, and uh, Maddie was able to to expand her potions. We saw Mrs. Croker being able to become buffed up. Uh, and uh, we saw Hop Pop and Sylvia together and they're growing avocados. And Sprague is continuing with his jur journal and you know tracking down all the creatures that he was able to find. And that little mural that he has in the background of like all the things that, they're, that uh, he collected and that he saved. Like there's, oh my gosh, there's so many little details there. There, you know, he kept the leaf that Anne had in her hair. He kept, um, you know, a lot of pictures of their adventures together. There's even, like, words that um, is actually part of the Amphibia theme song. It's 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 great. And then finally we get to see the reveal of the statue. Yeah. So, um, also, uh, yeah, we get the reveal of the statue. And, but then on top of that, we also get uh, uh, Ivy uh, coming to, uh, you know, tackle, um, you know, Sprague in, uh, in a typical fashion. And uh, so, but then uh, we get the news that uh, they've discovered a new continent, which basically has never been seen by either Newt, uh, Toad, or Frog. So, um, this leaves the possibility for a spin-off, uh, potentially for uh, Sprig, Ivy, and maybe even Polly, and uh, maybe a few other people too. You know, like, uh, so uh, that that's going to be really exciting if, uh, you know, they decide to give, uh, you know, Amphibia, like, you know, a spin-off show. So, like, you know, it, le it leaves that open too. And uh, But then, right after that, we get 10 years later, and uh, we get to see um, uh, Anne, uh, Marcy, and Sasha as adults, and uh, see what happens after those 10 years. Yeah, yeah. It, it was such a great reunion seeing the girls grown up and 23 years old. We get to see uh, Marcy's hair has grown. Sasha cut her hair and uh, we get to see what they're up to. You know, Marcy uh, does web comics and Sasha's a psychiatrist and they're going over to see Anne for her birthday, which it's, it's actually funny. Somebody even pointed this out uh, on Reddit that they're celebrating her birthday on the anniversary of the frog vasion, which means that it was technically the birthday of her new reincarnated body when you know she was like when she was killed off and then you know she had the um, the the copy body so i thought that that was actually really interesting mm -hmm. 
So, um, in the end, uh, Marcy is basically doing web comics, and uh, mm-hmm. Sasha is now counseling ki- kids, from what we can see. Yep. And uh, you know, uh, and um, now uh, um, Anne has a has a frog exhibit at the museum. And, yeah, uh, so, Anne yeah. is a herpetologist, and she is uh, working at this um, great exhibit over at the Aquarium at the Pacific, which is a real location in Long Beach, California. And then we see her showing off the South American p- pink tree frog to a bunch of kids, and then she says that she named it Sprig, and we see the all, the details of the exhibit where it says get lost of amphibia, and we get to see sections of frogs, toads, newts, alms, and it all looks like the stuff from amphibia and there's even like stuff on the wall which represents the gems it it's really well done mm-hmm. so um yeah i mean like it's um that is that is basically the end of amphibia pretty much like well, you know, we, everything... we, we, we even get to see you know i mean well we get to hear um the last thing that Anne says about like you know change can be hard but it's what we need to we can be able to grow and even if we get separated we'll still be able to find ourselves together at the end and i thought that that was like a brilliant way to end things off i mean it's right up there with as told by ginger in terms of like its ending and its message about like change and growing up and being able to um you know tackle in life the way it is and yeah just everything about it was just like beautifully done and then we get to see the extended credits where we get to like flash back into all the places that we knew of amphibia and then finally the new picture of the three girls together which you know, it also ends off with some tie letters, which says complete. So, yeah, that's, wow, that was a great way to end it off. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know if anyone can notice, like, our voices are starting to kind of, like, go at the moment. So, I think, uh, you know, we're, uh, but, uh, you know, like, just as a last thing, you know, Amphibia, I mean, if you really want our overall thoughts on it, like, uh, the um, podcast over at Old School Lane for the casual chats is uh, up uh, for everyone to see. So uh, we'll uh, definitely, uh, you know, if you want to check out our further thoughts on that, then definitely do that. But uh, I think uh, for both of us right now, I think uh, we need to rest our voices and uh, I think, uh, you know, we need to enjoy, you know, Patricia's birthday. So, yes. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway. Yes, indeed. But yeah, seriously, go go listen to that podcast. It's uh, almost two and a half hours long, and we had a lot of fun talking about Amphibia, so please uh, check it out. Okay. All right, everybody. Um, we promise you a full episode uh, next week, but until then, take care. Well, I mean, well, hold on, hold on. Whoa. Before we go, we have to tease one more thing. Okay. Our Pixar stuff. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So, uh, before, I mean, we go, um, we are going to be building up to Lightyear, uh, the next Pixar film, which is going to be releasing. And so, we are going to be doing another bunch of Pix minis. So, uh, we are going to be picking off from where we left off from the last 25, and we're going to be doing the next 25. So. Yep. We are, and uh, yeah, we're going to start things off with uh, Partysaurus Rex, which is uh, one of the Toy Story tunes, so we'll be talking about that when we start off Pix Minis again. Cool. But until then, everybody, um, we will see you then, and uh, we'll see you for the next Aaron and Patricia, So, uh, and also we'll be seeing you for King's Tide as well, which is going to be a pretty uh, amazing episode, I think we can all say. So Absolutely. Cool. Take care, everybody. Have a good week, and we'll see you later. Bye, everyone.